Well, good morning and uh, welcome to Horizon. It is wonderful to see you. And hey, it's finally sweater weather, right? So that's exciting. Um, well, welcome today. My name is Ryan and I'm on staff here at Horizon on the team. And uh, we are continuing our series called Tailor Made, where we've been looking at the intentional, tailor made um, approach that we take to what we do here at Horizon. And over the course of this series, we looked at our core values. So the things that we do that make us who we are. And today we're talking about family, which is right in my wheelhouse, because little secret, I direct the family ministry, right? So this should be like a layup. Um, but anytime that we talk about any of our core values, um, they always do fit into that lens of a, a tailor shop, if you will. Um, that sometimes when you are checking something new out, you're heading into the tailor shop, you want to know what's on the racks first. You know, maybe you check out the website um, you walk in, you want to see what's on the mannequins. You're not sure anybody, you want anybody to talk to you even. You kind of just sneak in and out. Um, and we love that at Horizon. In fact, our motto quite literally is yours to explore. That we love the idea that there are people that kind of sneak in the back door and, and watch the service and kick the tires on this thing um, before they ever want to connect. But sometimes, after you explore a little bit, you, you want to take that next step, and you want to be seen. So in the tailor shop metaphor, it's a little bit of walking and, and being seen in the mirror, right? That you're visible, that you want to take that next step, uh, going from an anonymous kind of, you know, fly on the wall to connecting in a way here at Horizon. And to do that, we offer a lot of different ways. So every service, you can walk by the hearth room. And there's always a Horizon um, teammate there that'll talk to you if you want to connect in that way. Um, even the way our building has been built is all about connecting. So the atrium is this amazing space with coffee and bagels and comfortable furniture to connect with other families. Um, I don't know if you've ever had your kids in the uh, Playland area, but we literally have a Chick-fil-A-style massive Playland in our East Station. And that's a great spot for parents to connect with each other, Again, over a cup of coffee while your kids are playing. But sometimes after you explore, after you connect and you've been seen, you even want to take that next step. Okay, it's a, a little bit of stepping behind the screen and, and trying on some things, right? Seeing how things might fit even with your faith. And here at Horizon we call that equipping. Um, that we want to help, help you take those next steps and kind of equip you and help you try on some coats and ties and dresses um, to see how they might fit. On any given Sunday, we have two equipping services that happen in this very room. So maybe while you're still sleeping or reading the paper with some coffee, um, we have an equipping service at 8.30 and 9.45 where we go through the Bible verse by verse. And it's a little deeper dive, but what I would say is it's just as creative, just as engaging um, as this service is. Um, so those are kind of the three lenses that we view life through. And you'll, you'll see that equipping even um, drain down into our family ministry. That right now in East Station, Sierra, our children's pastor, has kids memorizing Bible verses. Okay, they're doing a memory verse challenge. And if the kids can memorize nine verses, they get a poppet. Have you guys ever seen a poppet? Um, they're amazingly annoying, right? If your kid has one and they're popping these little buttons. Um, well, kids are loving that and they're memorizing the Bible. Um, and then in our student ministry, the way we view equipping is why we have students on the stage today is that we want to walk alongside of students and help them try on the different gifts and abilities um, that God has made them with and, and see what fits. And sometimes that's musically and vocally. 
So those are the reasons we exist. We exist to help people explore, help people connect, help people go deeper. We want to equip you. Um, But today, as we continue our journey about family, I want to give you one word, okay, to start our journey, and that is the word wonder. Like, family is the most fertile soil for us to wonder about the future, right? Remember being a teenager and you're thinking about, what am I going to be when I grow up? Who am I going to be? What's life going to be like? Well, now on the other side of the coin, as a parent of teenagers, I look at that and I have the same wonder. You know, what's going to happen in their lives? Where is this story leading? Um, What story is yet to be written? Nice. Awesome job, Kaylee and team. And I think that song captures perfectly the, the heartbeat of a family, right? The wondering about the future and even the wondering about the past, right? Like, am I doing the right things to set my family up for success? Because um, these are crazy times, right? Like 2021 is just an interesting time to be alive. Um, and, and things get a little wild, all right? Especially around my house. Okay, so at our house, we have four children. Okay, we have two teenage girls. Help me. Um, we have an 11-year-old son about to be 12 who's very proud of his one armpit hair. Um, we have a, a six-year-old son that, like, you could put in a cage fight against a pit bull and he would hold his own. Like, he is crazy. Um, Becky and I work full-time jobs. And just because we're extra dumb, we even threw in a dog, okay? So it's like at our house, on any given day, there are arguments about food and argument about, arguments about messes on the floor, arguments about doors being left open. And honestly, those are just the arguments between me and the dog. Um, <laughs> When you throw in the arguments with actual people, it is just chaos. Like, honestly, there are times where I just want to pull my hair out, you know, and and that involves tweezers at this point. I mean, it's it's hard. And I'm sure that's just my family, right? Like, your family is all peaches and cream. It's copacetic. It's like a smooth ocean, you know, water, right? Probably not, right? Let's be honest. Um, Probably not, because the last 18 months— I think it's okay to admit they've just been hard on families. The last 18 months have been like a karate chop to the jugular for many of our families. And all of these statistics are going up right now. Divorce, child abuse, mental health struggles, addictions. All of those are rising dramatically in the last 18 months. And friends, I wish I could offer you like a, a quick little pithy acronym talk, you know, to solve things. You ever been to one of those seminars where like, okay, guys, here's what we're going to do. Okay, to fix your family, you just have to try, okay? So T-R-Y, you got to try. And the T, the T stands for try, okay? And the R, the R stands for really try. And and I know those aren't in order, but just bear with me, okay? And then the Y, um, there's not a lot of words that start with Y, so we're just going to go with yoga, okay? So to... Fix your family. You just got to really try yoga, and things are going to be great, right? Well, we know those don't work, because sometimes it's just really try not to kill one another, um, if we're being honest. But this is just a hard time to be alive. And I can't offer you a a quick little fix, but I can offer you some age-old wisdom, some sacred wisdom about family. And it's from the Bible. It's 2,500 years old. And here's what it says. It says, fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. 
fight for them. So not fight with them, because we, we got that part down. That comes pretty naturally. It's like falling out of a boat and hitting water. Um, fight for them. So think like action and adventure movie where the hero or heroine is fighting, you know, for the people that they love. That's what God's telling us to do. And I know that can sound kind of simplistic, right? You're sitting here and maybe your life is chaos right now. And you're like, oh, thanks, Ryan. Fight for my family. I didn't think about that. You know, that's so easy. You know, our world is falling apart, but fight for my family. Like, honey, where are the keys? You know, like, let's get out of here. Um, But here's what I promise you is that God gives us this directive to fight for our families. But when we look at it in context, we're going to actually see some applications that will help us. Okay, so this verse comes from the story of a man named Nehemiah. Okay, and we looked at Nehemiah last year, and I don't, I don't know if you remember that, but Nehemiah is an important government official in the Persian Empire. Okay, so he's wealthy, powerful, influential. And Nehemiah actually has Jewish heritage. And one day he learns that the walls around his ancestral hometown have been crumbled for decades. Okay, and it, it takes decades for that to get to him. Word traveled fast, or traveled slowly. And he hears that, and it breaks his heart. And he goes to his boss, and he, he begs the king of Persia for lumber and treasure. And he gets that, and he heads back to Jerusalem. Okay, and Nehemiah is charismatic. So he arrives in Jerusalem. He's rallying the people. I mean, he could sell ice to a penguin, okay? Like, he is just, they're jumping on board. The walls are being built. But everybody's not happy, okay? Because Jerusalem had enemies, all right? And here we see that the enemies of Jerusalem, they see the walls coming up. And they're not too stoked. So it says, when Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the Ashdodites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were being restored and the gaps were being closed, they became very angry. And all of them conspired together to come attack Jerusalem and create confusion. So all five of Jerusalem's enemies are coming together like this powerful alliance. And not only are they going to do those things, they're going to take it to the next step. Here's them thinking out loud. They're saying, hey, they will neither know nor see anything till we come into their midst and kill them and cause the work to cease. That nothing causes a wall to stop being built quicker than killing the builders. Uh, So they're going to kill them. And word gets to Nehemiah and to the people who are building this wall. And now they have a decision to make. Right? Am I going to keep building in the midst of scary times, uncertainty, or am I going to settle for status quo? The walls have been down for decades, right? You know, who cares? We could just leave them how they are. At least we won't die. Um, well, well, as we jump into this talk on families, um, I think we all have to answer that same question. Uh, whether you have babies at home in diapers or grandbabies in California in diapers, um, you've got to answer the question of, do I want to keep building my family in the middle of adversity challenging times, um, or do I just want to settle for the status quo? Well, well, Nehemiah and the the Jewish people are going to keep building. And here's what he says, and here's where we find that verse. He says, I looked and arose and said to the nobles, to the leaders, and to the rest of the people. So Nehemiah is about to give this big speech. He says, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, great and awesome. And here's our verse, and fight for your brethren your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. So he says, hey, remember God, that he's powerful and awesome. Don't be afraid and fight for each other. And they're going to do that. And and gang, if you remember, in 52 days, this wall is going to go from being knee-high to chest-high to 
way over your head. And in 52 days without a crane or a concrete mixer or a jackhammer, right, they're going to build this wall. It's amazing. And today we're going to look at three lessons that we can learn from this for our fighting for our family. Okay, and the first one is this. It's to expect adversity. Just expect it. As soon as Nehemiah starts building this wall, adversity is coming out of the woodworks. Right? The enemies are banding together. There's rubble everywhere. Um, people are getting tired and whiny. It's just adversity. And anytime I go to build anything, from like a club sandwich to an Ikea bookshelf, I mean, I face adversity. It's like we're out of mustard, you know? Like, and then if you build an Ikea thing, it's like you get to like step six, you know, and you're like, okay, there's supposed to be three two-inch screws. I see that here. There are not three two-inch screws in my box. Right? And then you're getting angry, and you're like, I'm going to take this box, slam it on the customer service counter. And then you read in the instructions, it's like, do not return the box and slam it on the customer service counter. <laughs> you know, call 1-800. And you're like, no! That, that I expect adversity in most areas of my life. But when it arises in my family, I'm surprised. It's like the, the note comes home from school, or the, the harsh interaction with one of my kids, or even between us, happens, and I'm like, are you kidding me, God? Like, life wasn't perfect yesterday, and now you're telling me life isn't perfect again today? Like, get it together, God. Like, can I talk to somebody? Like, do you have a manager, God, that I could speak to? Um, because this is a little frustrating. I- I'm just surprised, and I shouldn't be. And, and friends, I'm not saying that we should be Debbie Downers and Eeyores, or like kicking a can. My family's terrible. Life's always going to be horrible, kick. I'm not saying that, but what if, if we just expected adversity, like we do anywhere else in our lives, would it help us to endure longer when it hits, to fight harder when it hits? Any of you guys ever had the pleasure of doing a two-a-day practice back in high school? Anybody? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, not many of you. Okay, good, good story, Ryan. It's going to really connect. Um, well, when you do a two-a-day in the fall, it's like football or soccer, cross-country, band. Um, it's like the end of the summer. All your friends are still enjoying their vacation, and you're waking up at like 6 a.m. You know, your hair's all disheveled. It's like deodorant brushing your teeth. Who, need, you know, who has time for that? And you head to the school, and you practice for like two and a half to three hours in the morning. Okay, and it's hot. It's grueling. It's sunny. Um, after two and a half to three hours, they're like, okay, guys, it's lunch. And you walk in there, and you, like, pull out the brown paper bag, you know, and you reach in there, like, a bologna sandwich, oh, man, and a mushy apple, and, and you eat that. And, and then they're like, okay, back out there. And you're like, oh, man, and you go back out there for another two to three hours of practice. And, and I have no idea how I was able to do that as a teenager, because I certainly couldn't do it now. Um, but here's what I would tell you, is that I knew it would be hard I had heard stories. <laughs> um, and, and once I experienced it, I expected it to be hard. So then when it was challenging, I kind of leaned into that. You know, and I was able to fight through it. And I even knew at a young age that like those late summer, early mornings that really stank, that were not fun, um, that if I put in the work there, that they would lead to late fall Friday night success and games. And not much of it, because I went to Madeira, um, but <laughs> enough of it that I saw the connection in my mind. And we expect that in life. We expect, like, the best things in life 
aren't free, right? We've all heard that. We all say that. Or they are free. The best things in life come at a cost. <laughs> Sorry, you know, I'm just rolling out the wisdom today. Um, but we know that, like, anything that's worth having is worth fighting for, right? You want to drop a few pounds? You've got to drop a few cheeseburgers off your plate, right? Like, you've got to put in the work. Well, what if we just thought of that with our families? Like, hey, it's going to be hard. There's going to be hard times. And then when they come, we're not shocked. And we know that at Horizon, okay, we, we have families of our own. So our hope is that when you walk into Horizon, that no matter what's going on in your life, whether there is chaos and adversity at home or at work or at school, um, that you can walk into Horizon and feel a few things, okay? So our mission is to comfortably connect with people. So we want Horizon to be so comfortable for you, so welcoming, so inviting um, that you know that you can come here and not have to fake it, not have to wear a mask. I've, my family's got it all together, you know. You stroll in like the Brady Bunch. Um, you don't have to do that because we know it's hard. So our hope is that you can come in here and some days maybe you're so filled with anxiety and stress, you're like a big balloon, like ready to pop, you know, and you come in. And our hope is that as you connect here and as you, again, begin to go deeper, that you can experience that exhale of, okay, I don't have to show off. I don't have to have it all together. Because quite honestly, none of us do, right? Like hopefully you are hearing that from the stage um, because I know these guys, okay? And I know our elders and our boards and, and we all have adversity in our family. We just do. You don't have to fake it. Life is messy from diapers to diplomas, especially the diapers, right? Like it's some messy stuff. Um, but that's right where we want to meet you. That we want to meet you in, in the middle of the beautiful mess that is all of our families. Um, right now I want to show you a video. So I, I have two friends here at Horizon, awesome people, um, and, and they'll explain their story to you, but they're going to share a little bit about the challenges of parenting and marriage over the last 18 months. Hi there, my name is John Mulhauser, and this is my wife, Lorna. We've been married for 16 plus years, and uh, we met in a grocery store. Our eyes met over a 50-count roll of toilet paper, <laughs> which uh, in the COVID times it really means something. <laughs> but back then, I was just, didn't know what to say, and Lorna's instinct was to just start talking, and uh <laughs> And that's how we kind of started. Mm -hmm. But now we're blessed. We have our seventh child on the way. And a lot of people ask me what it's like to have so many kids. And we like to quote Jim Gaff again, who says, imagine yourself drowning and somebody <laughs> hands you a baby. <laughs> so our daughter, when she was born um, about eight and a half years ago, um, we didn't know anything was wrong while she was in utero. Um, and then... Uh, couple days into after she was born, I, I thought there's something going on here. I don't, I don't know. I can't put my finger on it. She was our third. And, um, it turned out that uh, she needed to have emergent, um, surgery. And so she was in the NICU for a few weeks. It was very black and white to choose that, to make that choice as a parent of, um, your daughter needs emergent surgery. This is what we're going to do. Otherwise she won't make it. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that um, and I feel blessed that we are in really good hands raising children and the struggles that um, we go through 
sometimes it's not as black and white and that continually has to bring me back to the cross and bring me back to his word. Marriage is really hard and we don't have it figured out. I don't know if we ever will, but we have people that can come alongside us and to sit and help counsel us and direct us and help with marriage tools Mm -hmm. to bind together as a team, pull for that same team so that we can be there and lead for our children. When the ministers will get up and speak about their um, challenges and their, their real and talk about maybe when they have been challenged in parenting or they've been challenged in their marriage and them to honestly speak, then I don't feel so alone. And that's so, um, that's so precious to me that, you know, I can hold on to that. And, um, and then they bring scripture alongside that to support that. This is what it is. This is his word and he cares. And, um, you know, I think of a quote that Joe Foch said. He said he he's not um, watching you all the time because he's Santa Claus and he's checking naughty or nice, and he's not watching you all the time because he's the Godfather and he wants to get you. He's watching you all the time because he can't take his eyes off you because he loves you, and that just hit me like he does. You know, he sees he sees me and he he cares. He cares that I'm folding laundry right now for my six children. He cares that. Um, he cares about the day that I have today. I really think Horizon is unique and special. It has a big and beautiful building, a wonderful campus, but that's that's just a shell. What what really makes them special is what's on the inside. Thank you to all the staff and volunteers that make it happen each week. One thing we didn't mention is we couldn't attend small groups in in the past because we had so many kids and babysitter on a regular basis, it just financially and organization, like trying to logistically set it up, it just wasn't always possible. Yeah. Something so seemingly so little enabled us to connect into a small group that they provided childcare for us. I mean, they would literally reach out and say, are you, are you coming tonight? And then, you know, are your children coming? And then at the end of the night, if we came with all the kids, our kids would have been the only ones. Like, they had six kids, and those were the only ones that came. People, I mean, I'm like, they really care that, yeah. you know, that we need this, you know. And so, yeah, it's very nice. And the kids love to go to church, you know. So, thank you. All right. Well, what, what great insight into the mind of parents right now, right? And I'm guessing some of you can relate with some of their sh- what they shared. I love when John just says, man, marriage is hard, you know, and don't we feel that? Well, well, I love that video. I love their uh, authenticity. Again, in her words, Lorna's words, it helps me to not feel alone um, when I feel those things. Um, but they set us up great for the next lesson um, from Nehemiah and the fight for our families, and that is to prepare for adversity, to prepare for it. I love the Chinese uh, proverb that the best day to plant a tree or the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago, and the second best time is today, right? Right now. And it would be awesome if we were prepared when adversity hit, right? That's ideal. And Nehemiah does that. So the walls are being built. They decide to keep building, and and here's the instructions that he gives folks. Um, He says, those who built on the wall and those who carried burdens loaded themselves so that with one hand they worked at construction. So think shovel in one hand or a trowel in one hand. And with the other held a weapon 
Every one of the builders had his sword girded at his side as he built. That I love that Nehemiah is preparing them for adversity. Right? It's not just a hope and a wish. Hey, just keep building the walls and uh, I'll pray for you when the guys come to kill you. (laughs) Right? Like he prepares them. He says, hey, have a sword. Be ready. That, friends, part of fighting for our families is preparing for adversity. We know it's coming. And even arming ourselves for adversity. Think back. Okay, for some of us, this is a long time ago. Not so much for others, but think back to when you're having your first child, okay? So you and your spouse, baby bumps growing, the excitement's growing. You're like, oh, baby, you know, and you're reading all these books. And if it's been recently, you're like listening to blogs and you're talking to people. You know, you're making a plan. We're going to do bottle feeding or breastfeeding. Are we going to do cloth diapers or real diapers? You know, and it's so much fun, um, you know, and, and then the baby comes and in the the great words of the American poet Mike Tyson, um, everybody has a plan till they get punched in the face, right? That that baby comes and it is like a punch to the nose and you're like, oh man, and though your plan doesn't make everything peaches and cream, there's certainly adversity. For us, what we found to be true is that at least our plan kept our heads above water, right? It was like this tiny little life preserver we could cling to uh, on those sleepless nights for Becky. Um, yeah, it kept our heads above water. Well, right now, like, what are you doing to arm your family for adversity? And again, friends, this isn't just if you have kids at home in grade school. You, you're arming your family your whole life. What are you doing to prepare them? Um, I want to give you three practical ways you can uh, prepare your family for adversity. Okay, arm your family. And the first is this, arm them with knowledge. Okay, and, and here's what I mean. Is that, guys, we should be the world's foremost expert on each and every single one of our kids. Right? Like, nobody should know our kids better than us. We should know what makes them tick, how they, God has made them, what makes them happy, what makes them sad, where, when they, you know, start facing some challenges, what makes them drive off the road in anger, you know, that we just know everything about them. And I would say our spouses as well. And not in like a creeper stalker way, um, but in like an ask questions and actually listen way, right? That we would know them. That when adversity hits in, we're armed with this knowledge of this person in our family. Um, But also that we would arm ourselves with knowledge of their culture, okay? I don't know if you know this, but like none of us know, unless you're there, what it's like right now to be a third grader in 2021. Like we have no idea. None of us know what it's like to be a seventh grader in 2021 or a senior. Like we have no clue. Okay, it is a totally different world. Well, one of the ways we want to walk alongside of your family is to help you um, arm yourselves with this kind of knowledge that we have what we call parenting workshops where we've done them on things like mental health. And we bring in experts. I don't just spitball it. We bring in experts from the Lindner Center. Um, we did a uh, parenting workshop on social media and technology, and we brought in experts uh, from Texas. And on November 7th, as you see here, we have a parenting workshop um, on basically the idea of understanding the mind of your kid and then connecting with their heart. Okay, throw in grandkid, throw in niece, nephew, um, that 
a friend of Horizon, Dr. Sarah Beal, who is at Children's Hospital and also a professor at the University of Cincinnati. She's an expert on uh, adolescent brain development and behavior. She's going to join us. She's going to talk to us about the way the brain changes, really from birth through uh, graduation of high school and beyond. Um, And it's going to help you understand sometimes why your kid or your grandkid does crazy things, right? You're like, you gave the dog a bowl of cereal? Like, what were you thinking? You know, and you have no idea what was going through his mind. Well, she's going to help us understand that. Okay, and then in the middle, it's going to be like just us parents. We're going to have a little parenting round table where we can share stories of the crazy things our kids have done. And then we're going to end with Chad um, helping us think through, like, how do we deeply connect with the hearts of our kids and knowing Chad personally, and I don't just throw this out there um, willy-nilly, but Chad's a great dad. He connects deeply with the hearts of his adult children all the way down to Quinn. Um, so there's a lot to learn that night. Love for you to join us. So you can arm your family with knowledge. Okay, the next thing is to arm yourselves, your family, with love. Okay? Uh, a few years ago, a book came out called His Needs and Her Needs um, by a, a guy named Willard Harley, which is a pretty cool name. Um, but it was a premarital counseling book for um, people about to get married, okay? And it kind of talks about how men and women are wired differently, you know, yada, yada, yada. But the best part of the book was this thing he called a love bank, okay? And I know that sounds like a, uh, a reality TV show about the financial industry, you know, the love bank, join us Thursday nights at 9. Um, but it's not that. Um, it's this idea that every relationship we have is an investment happening, that in your relationship with your spouse, with your kids, that all the time you're either making deposits in the love account or you're making withdrawals out of that account. So the deposits, the ching ching those are like conversations over dinner where you're asking about your day, you're talking about life. The, the deposits are like cha-ching, you know, reading a kid a bedtime story. You know, the deposits are like sitting through their game, maybe if they don't even get in. Cha-ching, cha-ching. You know, those are the deposits. The withdrawals are like the hard conversations. It's like the, "Eh," you know, where like you're talking to your teenager and like, you just don't understand me. You're so uncool. You know, it's like, "Eh, eh, eh," like withdrawal after withdrawal after withdrawal. Or you get into this cycle with your spouse where you're just, you know, nudging at each other about dishes or meals and "Eh, eh, eh, eh." keeps going down. Well, the theory is, and what I would encourage you to arm your family with is, hey, make as many love deposits as you can when life is going okay, (laughs) right? Like when life isn't blowing up in your face like a boiling pot, bank love, man. Cha-ching, 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 cha-ching. Because you know that eventually the adversity's coming. And eventually there's going to be withdrawals. And you don't want that relationship to bankrupt, right? Where there's not enough love there. And hopefully that never happens, um, but it does happen. Right? So arm yourselves with love. And old uh, Willard Harley, it's interesting, the wisdom he gets isn't his own. He gets it from the Bible. In First Peter, we're told this. It says, above all things, have fervent love for one another. For love will cover a multitude of sins. So God's saying, hey, have a ton of love for each other because love is going to be like this salve, this, you know, band-aid, if you will, that will help cover the broken places in your relationships. Um, so, so arm yourselves with love. And then the last way, practical thought on arming your family for adversity, is with faith. 
right? Faith. And I know that's kind of expected, right? Because I'm like the church guy. Me telling you to arm your families with faith is kind of like the McDonald's cashier telling you to arm your family with cheeseburgers. (laughs) Cheeseburgers, they're good for you. Um, But bear with me, okay, because three years ago at at a a small little community college in Boston called Harvard, um, they did a study on 5,000 adolescents, and they followed these kids for 14 years. And they wanted to see, did faith have any impact on them as they became emerging adults, okay, into their mid, late 20s. And what they found is that if a kid had a, on average, once a month, one hour commitment to church, faith, youth group, Bible study, whatever you want to throw in that category, once a month for one hour on average, that into their late 20s, they were 18% more likely to report that their life was fulfilling and happy. On average, if those kids that had one hour a month went on, they would be 30% more likely to report that they volunteered in their communities. And if those same kids that on average had a once a month, one hour commitment, um, would be 33% less likely to be addicted to drugs or alcohol. Now friends, this isn't just a pie-in-the-sky church guy advice that faith can actually help prepare your children for adversity as they get longer in their lives. And we know that at Horizon, and we work so hard to make Horizon a place that your kids will love, that your grandkids will love. I mean, right now, I don't know, has anybody never been in E-Station? Raise your hand if you've never been in E-Station. Anybody never been back there? Okay, a few of us, right? Um, Well, in E-Station, if you've never walked in there, it's amazing. Okay, so Sierra and her team, every quarter they decorate it with a new theme in the hallways. And it's not just like a few posters. It's like hanging from the ceiling everywhere. Right now it's fall. Um, Well, a few months ago she was like, hey, I want to make it even better. Um, And she added Bluetooth speakers in the hallway now that play sounds that match the the decorations. So right now it's fall sounds. Um, And then a a couple weeks ago she's like, hey, I want to take it to the next level. And Sierra has added air fresheners (laughs) that blow out smells that match it. So in the summer, it's like uh, suntan lotion smell. Right now, it smells like a uh, pumpkin spice latte back there. Um, Because we want to make East Station a place your kids love to be. We just finished a major renovation in the children's theater. Because we want to make East Station a place your kids love to be. And that goes through middle school and junior high. And we have Monday and Tuesday nights for those students that are just a ton of fun. Uh, on Monday nights, our fifth and sixth graders just get into all kinds of wacky chaos. We might feed them a little bit of sugar, FYI. Um, and it, but it's still connecting. It's still meaningful. There's still some challenging thoughts on what it's like to be a 12-year-old. That's Monday nights. And then Tuesday nights are similar, but this is for seventh and eighth graders, okay? And they're a little more sophisticated, right? They don't want to play those games. So Tuesday nights are a little more, you know, suave, if you will. Um, Because we want your middle school, junior high kids to love Horizon because we know if they have a faith connection, if they can get connected to even just church, but let alone hopefully God eventually, Jesus eventually, that it'll have positive impacts on their life. And and in high school, if if you've never walked into the garage on a Sunday morning, uh, I would encourage you to. I think the stuff going on up there for our high school students is amazing. It's cutting edge. I mean, they're filming podcasts. They're making podcasts. Not of like us lame youth pastors talking. Oh, no, it's the kids talking. Um, they are doing like small groups. There's over 30 students involved in the music team <laughs> um, up there. 
couple weeks ago, they incorporated food into the talk, and they literally almost set off the smoke alarms <laughs> during a service. So I'm glad that's an almost, because I still have a job. Um, but it was, anyhow, the ways they try to connect the Bible to students is creative and engaging, because we want to make a horizon a place your family loves. Well, the last lesson that we get from Nehemiah is to build cathedrals. Build cathedrals. That as I told you, that wall kept being built. And it says this. It says, so the wall was finished on the 25th day of Elul in 52 days. So again, let that sink in. 52 days. They built a wall around a massive city. And it happened when all our enemies heard it and all the nations around us saw these things They were very disheartened in their own eyes, for they perceived this work was done by our God. So the enemies are just frustrated, because in their minds, they're like, there's no way a wall should have went up in 52 days. Like, are you kidding me? Those take years. But somehow they build it in 52 days. And then the last little tidbit, which store for a few minutes from now, it says that this work was done by our God, that God had allowed them to build that. As you think of your kids, what would it be like to think of this analogy of continuing to build, even in the midst of adversity? So you uh, history buffs in the room, in 1666, you'll remember uh, the Great Fire of London, right? This beautiful city just burns to the ground, 1666. Um, Here's a picture, not a picture, that'd be crazy. This is a painting of it. of what it would have looked like from the river. And in the middle, where the flames are the highest, that is what's called St. Paul's Cathedral. And it was a beautiful European cathedral, and it burns um, to the ground. Of course, the stones and stuff are still there, but all the wood burns, everything burns. And uh, two years after it burns to the ground, they're rebuilding it. And the architect is um, visiting a site, okay? And he walks up to one man, and the man's kind of like laying on the ground just stacking stones, you know, and he's like, hey, trying to be nice. Tell me about what you're doing. The guy's like, what's it look like I'm doing? I'm stacking stones. You know, he's from Brooklyn for some reason. Um, and he's like, okay. And he keeps walking. He gets to the next guy. The next guy is like halfway up a wall, stacking stones. He's like, hey, sir, tell me about what you're doing. He's like, oh, well, you know, it's pretty obvious, but I'm building a wall. And he's like, okay, didn't ask for the sarcasm. Uh, He he keeps moving, and he comes to this other guy, okay? And this chap is just building a wall, all right? He is at the top of the wall, and he is building with gusto, okay? It's like artisanal wall building going on. And the architect's a little gun-shy, so he's like, hey, tell me about what you're doing. Are you stacking stones? He's like, no, I'm not stacking stones. He's like, oh, you're building a wall. No, I'm not building a wall. Sir, I am building a cathedral, (laughs) That, that, friends, what if we looked at our families through that same lens of, man, I am building a cathedral in the life of this little six-year-old that just drives me crazy sometimes, right? And I get it that there's times where, like, you're just going to be stacking stones, right? You're like, man, I just need to get to bedtime, a glass of wine, and Netflix, because this is chaos. Totally with you. I get there are going to be seasons where you're like, I just got to get them like out of diapers, potty trained. Um, there's seasons where you're like, I just, just got to get them in school full time. Um, seasons where you're like, I just got to get them in college. Or maybe for some of you, seasons where you're like, they're 27 and I just got to get them out of my house. Um, totally with you. 
But what I would say is, like, we can't live there. We can't live in the season of life where we're just stacking stones. It's just too important what we're doing. And here, I want you to hear this. This is the most important thing I'll say today. That, friends, every single day from the most mundane day of your family, where it's just a photocopy of the day before, a photocopy of the day before, all the way to that day way down here where it is breathtakingly beautiful, it's exciting, or it is heartbreakingly sad, that every day on that timeline between mundane and breathtaking, hear this, every day you are building something. Whether you like it or not, whether you want to or not, every day something is being built in your family. That a culture is being built which will lead to a legacy. And what's scary is like, it doesn't even just last till the day you die, because you're building this with your children. It lasts till the day they die, and maybe if it keeps being passed, it lasts into your grandkids and great-grandkids. And what's up to us, though, is do I want to build a, a shack down by the river, right, with like pallet wood and bubble gum, and you're like, oh, yeah, it'll be fine. Um, or do I want to build a cathedral? The, the choice is ours. It's interesting, the cathedrals back in the day, they would take 250 to 300 years to build. Let that sink in. That's longer than our country's been a country um, to build a building like this. 250 to 300 years. And they would stand, they're still standing for eight to 900 years as these monuments of legacy. And as I think of legacy, I think of Horizon. That man, as I, over the last five years, I've gotten to know that you all, the families that make Horizon, man, legacy's a big deal. I see it sprinkled all around Cincinnati. I see it sprinkled all around our ministries where you're volunteering and giving your lives away. You're just sprinkling legacy. And you even see it in this building, right? That this building was not built with a short-term mindset. Um, that we do nothing here like a microwave. It's all the slow cooker. <laughs> We're thinking 10, 20, 100 years in the future. And in fact, um, in 2009, when uh, Horizon was meeting at Cincinnati Country Day School. Was anybody here back then, 2009 Country Day? Cool, thank you. Um, they had a service where they owned this property but they hadn't started building yet. Okay, and everyone, so Horizon's about 10 years old at that point. So everybody that had ever been baptized at Horizon or, you know, started becoming a follower of Christ, they grabbed a field stone, okay? And you'll see the grainy little pictures we could find out of there. Um, and they walked that field stone across the stage. And dozens of these people put this into a wheelbarrow, okay? And then as they built this beautiful building around us, do you know what surrounds you right now in this chapel? Dozens and dozens of these field stones that bear the fingerprints of moms and dads and sons and daughters that walked across that stage that day. They're all around us. And the, what I would say is the cathedral is still being built. That as we enter the third decade of Horizon's existence, some 20 years in, fresh stones are still being laid, right? And as you think of your family, man, the cathedral is still being built. Fresh stones are being laid. Again, whether your kids are 5, 25, or 50, you're still laying fresh stones. What are you building? Well, I saved the best for last. Okay, I'm going to end with one verse. And here's the greatest news I'm going to share with you today, is that when we build and we fight, we never do it alone. 
that as Nehemiah is building this wall, here's the instructions he gives them. Again, they're building around a huge city. The work is great and extensive, and we are separated far from one another on the wall. Wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there. Our God will fight for us. The friends, Nehemiah was saying, hey, when you hear the trumpet, when you rally to fight for each other, fight for your families, know this, that you never do it alone. That our God will fight for you right in the middle. So friends, as you, you think of your family today, I want you to leave with that, uh, that idea of fighting for them. Again, no matter what age and stage you are, um, that God will join you in that fight. And that it's worth the fight. Uh, one announcement is, uh, you're in here, so you probably don't care, but maybe it's important for you to know the tent. This is the last week of the tent for the year. Okay, so maybe if you came to the tent at different services, you might need to know that. It's getting cooler. We're going to put it away, clean it up. I'm going to try to get my face logoed on the side of it. We're still waiting on that. Um, But that won't be available again until early spring. Um, And as always, if you want to chat, we'd love to chat with you at the hearth room, third door on the left. Have a great week.